everybody, and welcome back to Liquid Sound, a show dedicated to music, songwriting, and the creative process. I'm your host, Gino Grant, and we are brought to you in cooperation with the Liquid Arts Network, connecting artists and communities since 2000. We're happy to have you here and excited about today's guest, Splitkick, a collaboration between Pete Neonakis and Andrew Corbin. Their music blends electronic and disco music with elements of funk and soul. And even though Pete lives in Miami and Andrew lives in Toronto, they still find a way to make music together. Which I found rather timely, as these days, a lot of us find ourselves separated from one another. So they joined us to talk about how they work together well, despite being far apart, making blabber tracks... We pay homage to 80s synthesizers and 70s funk, and lots more. We also listen to a few of their songs, and this first one is called Dangerous Love. to a canvas 
Welcome, Andrew and Pete. Split kick. Hello, hello. Hello. Tell me about the origin of the band. I think uh, it all started in 2008. In uh, I think it was Samyon in Busan, actually. And uh, we were out with friends and just chatting. And then Pete was there. I was there. We didn't know each other at all. And just got to talking and started talking about music. And I said, I make music. And Pete said, hey, I make music. Yeah. And then he had this tiny little iPod with beats on it. And he showed me some of them. And it, I remember immediately going, oh, yeah, you know, like <laughs> this is it. And uh, ever since that one day, we just kept getting together and making tunes. Pete, did you have any other ideas that I missed? No, I, th- I think that's pretty, pretty accurate. I remember us you know, talking about music and you had, uh, you know, you had done a lot of hip hop stuff back in Canada, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and beatboxing as well, which I've always been fascinated by. And, you know, he started beatboxing. I was like, holy shit, this is super cool. You know, and of course, yeah. it's like we make music too. But I think some of the tracks I played yours when I was kind of during my, my Italo disco obsession. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cheesy, cheesy sort of, you know, 80s beats. But uh yeah, yeah. I, I it was it was definitely a chance encounter, I would say. Just, you know, strangers in a strange land like all of us when we were there and you know, making strange bedfellows, but also making some really cool connections and, and uh split kick was born from from that. Yeah. So Dangerous Love is the track that we just listened to. Tell me about how that came together then. Like during COVID, we had decided, okay, we have the time, you know, we're both kind of doing nothing at home, working from home. And uh, we said we should get down to business again because it had been actually a really long time of us productively making music together. And Pete had sent me like all of his extra beats that he, that nothing had been recorded on. And I was just scanning through them one day and that beat for a dangerous love popped up. I think it was the beat was called ashes. Yep. And, uh, I just listened to it and immediately was drawn towards it. And I just started vibing on the, on the beat and coming up with kind of melody ideas and, it was born just from that, just scrolling through hundreds of different sounds that Pete had sent me and picking that one and looking forward to writing to it. Is that usually how your songwriting process works then? Pete makes beats and then you kind of throw some some melodies on it? Yeah, I think so. I think Pete's the musical mastermind behind the instruments. And then I'm more geared towards the lyrics and then pete and i will bounce ideas back back and forth off of each other and then build it from there like if i write something and he doesn't really like it he'll tell me and that's awesome and then we kind of change things and back and go back and forth and then finally when we come to an idea that we both actually really like then we kind of work it from from that point and I think something that's unique about Split Kick is that I've I've been in other musical projects before. We all have, and you know, oftentimes ego pops up. You know, with Andrew from the beginning with Split Kick, it's been 
it's a, been a fun project and it's been defined by like a lack of ego. We, we work really well together. You know, like he said, if I don't like something or he doesn't say something, we're vocal about it, but it's not like in a mean way or like a, you know, I'm protective of my music sort of way. It's more just like we could make this better. Like the vocal sounds off or the beat could hit a little bit harder or, you know, it needs a little bit more variation or whatever it is. I mean, music, it starts off as a, a pure sort of blank piece of paper, you know, and then it starts to take shape. And then, you know, you, you just go through all of the washing of it. Sometimes things happen very quickly. I mean, our, some of our best songs, they've happened like immediately. And then other songs, they've taken a little bit more time. To, it's been more of a, a painful birth to, to get them out, you know, but we don't really take ourselves too seriously when recording it. Like we're not like these like really serious, you know, musicians that get in and we have some, you know, predefined set of ideas of what we want to accomplish. It's more just us exploring and pushing boundaries and like, you know, jumping genres and, you know, we don't take ourselves seriously, but we take the creation process serious because once you get into that, you know, once you get into that slipstream and you find something you like, it's like you're fixing the, the rocket ship as it's blasting off through space. And I love that. I love the process of creation and how, how it, can, it can just come from anywhere. Yeah. 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 So Pete, when you are kind of sitting down to, to make beats or make music, usually you just start with like a, a drum track that you like, or do you start with like a melody or is it kind of all no, over the, all over it, the map? It's, it's all over the map. I mean, for me, <clears throat> I mean, my background is as a graphic designer. So like when I make music, it's almost like I'm seeing it in my head, you know, like a soundtrack, like I'm building soundscapes. And those soundscapes are always associated with like some sort of a color or a feeling or like a, like an environment or whatever it might be. I, I think you guys, you guys see what I'm getting at. But from there, I sit down. And maybe I start making a beat and I like it or I don't like it. And then I call it something, just some name like test one or whatever. And I just put it in a folder or it's a sound or it's a, like a little melody that I hear in my head or the melody that I heard in a song and I want to take it and flip it and do something with it. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different roads that it can come from, but ultimately it's just, if you like something, and you just keep refining it and and playing with it, then at some point it, it turns into something bigger than, than what it started with. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, where where do you guys find time to work on music when you're also, you know, dealing with a, having a job and stuff like that? Uh, for me, it's usually evenings. I have two kids, so I put that when I put them to bed it's about seven ish, seven thirty, mm -hmm. And then I will have planned to do it like a certain evening. So I'll have all the gear ready to go set up in the room, microphone ready, headphones, everything. And then I just know I'm going to sit down, going to have a drink with me and just get into it and like try and build something. And, uh, it's usually evenings and weekends for me. And that it's, it seems to have worked so, so far for the last three songs, Pete and I have done, they've turned out really well for the, the amount of time that we were able to put into them. So that's, that's how I do mine. And, and I think also with the creative process for us, 
you know, technology plays a huge part in it because we're separated by thousands of miles. You know, I'm in Miami, he's in Toronto and we work on the same platform so we can just dump tracks in like a Google folder, like a Google drive. He can retrieve them. It'll be like version one. He takes it, he flips it, he messes with it. It goes back in as version two. And then we just kind of keep bouncing it back and forth. Um, and occasionally we'll have a phone call and talk about it, but it's really just going back and forth like that. For me, it's always the evenings. I, that's my quiet time. I don't think I'm, I've never really tried writing music in the morning. <laughs> Maybe I should try it at some point, but for me, I love the night. I love the, the quietness of it. Nobody's bothering me. It's just kind of that, that, that witching hour of creation. Yeah. So that's, that's when I find the time. It's usually later, later at night. Like Andrew said, you sit down with a drink, you kind of vibe out and just take a deep dive into it. Yeah, totally. All right. So I'd like to, I'd like to listen to Victim of a Crime. Can you tell me about Victim of a Crime? Do you want to introduce the song for us? A Victim of a Crime. It actually was a very old song that we had messed around with. Pete had sent that beat to me ages ago. And mm -hmm. I think that beat was called Venus. And uh, what I often do is I'll have my phone and I'll just record kind of like a, a blabber track where it's just the melody but no words mm. and singing along to it. And, and then I'll turn those blabbers into lyrics. Like sometimes words will actually pop out that are just kind of stream of consciousness. And I think Pete and I used to do that back in 2008 in Busan when we first got together. We would just kind of like vibe out without any words and just find melodies organically like that. And then that's how the song grew. And then the lyrics, same thing. You know, our, our songs are usually about women and nightlife and lasers and, <laughs> and smoke machines. And it's just something that is, for, for me, it's easy to write that stuff. You know, I, I think I wrote Victim of a Crime in, in less, than, less than an hour. And, and vic Victim is, has that kind of sleazy vibe to it. So I think that for sure dictated your lyrics, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> kind of sneaky, sleazy. Right, right. The synths on it are very like, you know, library music from the 70s, kind of you know, weird arpeggiated synths and more like dated sounds, but it has a very bombastic sort of beat that comes in. But uh, yeah, it's definitely sleazy. It's definitely got that <laughs> sleazy kind of vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Uh -huh. I like that bl that blabber track. I've never heard it called that, but I, I definitely do the same thing when I have like a musical idea. I'll just kind of blah, blah, blah into a melody or whatever. Yeah. And it was funny, actually. I was uh, scrolling through my phone the other day and I found, I forgot about it, and I found the blabber track for Dangerous Love. <laughs> and I, I sent it to Pete over text and I was like, check this out. I found this. And it was, it was literally the same melody that we ended up using in the end. And like some of the words were there in the original blabber track and which is pretty cool. So that process has actually worked, worked well for us. I think. That's very cool. You should send it over. We'll, we'll drop in a few seconds of that. Yeah, in yeah, the I will. Yeah. I will. Okay, cool. The love of
Do do do. Do you and I? Tell us the song that can't go on. Damn. When the baby fell down. Boom. I do 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 do. Boom. Why did I? So could you explain a bit, or just talk a bit, I guess, about the split kick sound? I mean, like you kind of mentioned 70s funk or, or 80s kind of synth sounds. Pete, where do you draw a lot of the inspiration for for the musical tracks? 
that's that's a good question. But I mean, I'm an '80s child. You know, it's I I, I grew up in the '80s, and that's when the synths ruled the airwaves. So I think just by default, it's really embedded like in my fabric. You know, in like my my creative fabric. You know, the, the sounds of you know, like the CS80 and the DX7 and the Fairlight and all these things where, like, you might not know the synth, but if you hear one note of them on your favorite 80s track, you say, oh, shit, wow, that's like a really iconic sort of synth. So for us, I think it's just like, for most people, especially if you grew up around the 80s, it's it really is just a part of you. Like, you couldn't get away from it. The synths ruled the airwaves and also, you know, these sort of pop songs and this you know sort of not taking yourself so seriously or taking yourself very seriously and then it's like it translates into almost you not taking yourself so seriously <laughs> well yeah. you know flock of seagulls and these silly hair yeah these guys talking about all sorts of you know crazy dystopian space shit and then they just come across as a bunch of clowns but it's obviously really banging music which which i love but mm-hmm. for the 80s, that's that's for sure. And, and Andrew and I definitely connected on that once we started just talking about stuff and, and coming up with this project out of nowhere. We, we both had a shared love of of 80s tracks and, yeah. and pop, pop music, really. Yeah. yeah I still I still um, gravitate towards the 80s sounds and the 80s tunes. And it's funny, you know, even now, a lot of the a lot of the pop songs from today are going back to the eighties sounds, the synthesizers, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the drum sounds, it's all coming back around and becoming popular again. But for me, it never left. <laughs> it's like, I, this is still gold. It's been gold since I was, you know, five listening to my mom's party mixtapes <laughs> with Robert Palmer and foreigner and Phil Collins, you know, all of those guys I have, very distinct memories of loving the music as a kid. And it, it's true what Pete said. It's like, it's in my fabric as well. I, I, I can't, I can't not like it as many people tell me, Oh, the eighties was terrible. The music is terrible. I totally disagree. It's in me. You know, I love the vibe. I love the grooves and even the quality of the sound, the sound quality, the production quality that they were able to do when all that technology was coming out and people were experimenting with it, it gave the songs like such a bold sound sonically speaking that it it's really interesting to listen to from that perspective as well. I think split kick is definitely, it, it, it has its heart in the eighties, but it also has feet in other decades as well. If you listen to the production, there's a lot of heavy use of like roads and clavinets and, you know, these mm-hmm. sort of like sweeping synths that were used, uh, you know, a decade before for whether it's like disco or, you know, jazz, funk, whatever it might be. The reason I started playing keyboards was because of uh, the, the Herbie Hancock album Thrust. I remember buying that and saying, holy fucking shit. Like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, what, man. what is this? Like, what? What, is, what are these instruments he's playing? And then when I found out he was playing Rhodes, you know, which is, you know, once you, once you know the sound of a Rhodes, it's everywhere. You know, it's just ubiquitous in disco and jazz and, and funk music. So in terms of the instrumentation, it's not just purely 
80s sounds. Like we love those. We love the stabby synths and the, the sweeping synths and of course like arpeggios to, you know, basically lay a beat down, but it's it's all over the map. And then there's the love of film scores like Vangelis with Blade Runner and you know, even going back to like Morricone and the Spaghetti Western soundtracks. I mean, it's just all over the map. And when yeah. you listen deep enough to the music, you'll start picking stuff out and saying, oh, that's disco. Oh, shit. That's like a you know Spaghetti Western baritone guitar in the background. Like what? You know, so it's, it's really a mash of a lot of different stuff, but it definitely has its heart in the 80s, I would say. Yeah. I agree. Thrust, that's a great it's a great album, man. A lot of a lot of roads, a lot of clavinet on that, right? Palm Grease. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, it's a jam. In, insane album. Insane. Yeah. So when you are recording, do you do you have a synthesizer at home or do you do you have like a, a program that you use to to access a lot of those sounds? The platform that we work on is Reason. <clears throat> we started off back in the day on like Reason 1, I think. <laughs> I'm not but, familiar with that one, Reason. Yeah, but it, it's, it's just it's just a, a DAW, you know, but it's it's the one we use now is Reason Suite 11, which I guess is the latest version and it's it's amazing. It's just a really badass program where it's sort of like a rack-based configuration where you have all these different rack modules of synthesizers and drum sounds and whatnot and you know you can put samples in there but then on the other side it's like just as powerful as like a pro tools in recording audio directly into it i don't i mean i've had since i i in austin i have a a, a rhodes mark five i had you know a bunch of different synths had a mini moog and but those are all kind of finicky instruments like a Rhodes. You have to tune it after a while. Mm -hmm. It starts going out of tune and it's, you know, the, the tines can break and a move like you have that drift and like, it's very hard to get those to sound, you know, in key. So within reason, the platform, they have a lot of soft synths, which are, I mean, they mimic these sounds amazingly Beautifully. It's like exactly the same. Beautiful. I mean, there's plug-in packs with the Fairlight, which cost like was two hundred thousand dollars or some shit. It's the one you see the pictures of Herbie Hancock like drawing waveforms on the little you know green computer and you know, the, the CS80, which is what you know is like a several hundred pound monster of a synthesizer, you know stuff like that. And they have these amazing soft synths where we can go in and basically manipulate the sounds or just pick the stock sound. Sometimes you pick a stock sound and you say, yes, like that's what I'm looking for. Or you pick the stock sound and then you just need to tweak it a little bit to make it sound how you want it or to make it fit within, you know, the, the, the 3d spectrum that the sonic landscape that you're creating. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think also one of the beauties of it is we make music just to make music. You know, this isn't our career. Like we don't say, Oh, we got to make a banger so I can, keep the lights on like we we make music just for the love of it you know split kick is our homage to all of our influences and all the things that we like allows us to kind of experiment and fly through these fantasies that that come from our creative brains and i think it i think that shows in the music where it's just like you know we're not trying to emulate anything but we're also emulating a lot of different things and we just make 
music that we like and sounds good. And we're not trying to adhere to any sort of, you know, any sort of fads or anything like that. It's more just like we make music that we like, make music that we love. And the end result, I think, really shows that. It's, it's music made with love. Beautifully said, man. So tell me about like your your vocal delivery a bit. I notice it's a lot of falsetto and things like that. Um, I have two different styles that I usually fall into. Um, one is more of a lower voice, mm-hmm. um, kind of more, I'm trying to think, uh, like presets, the guy from the presets from Australia, that kind of lower, more boomy voice that I gravitate towards on certain tracks. Um, and then the falsetto is one, another strong point of mine. I think I've always, since I was a kid, I've been able to sing high, you know, and comfortably sit up there and hit the right notes and hear things properly at that tone. So I kind of just, it, I like the way it sounds with our style of music. Mm-hmm. And then more recently, we've been messing around with like doubling things. So you'll notice on Dangerous Love, there's actually two vocal tracks synchronized. One is high, one is low. And I think there's some of that stuff on Victim of a Crime as well, where there's some low parts and high parts, and it just gives it more of a depth. And uh, I don't know, like for the falsetto, the inspiration comes from a lot of places. Uh, I mean, The Darkness, I believe in a thing called love, that band, you know, they were one yeah. of my they were one of my faves back in the day. And even stuff like um, Curtis Mayfield and, oh, yeah. and, you know, Marvin Gaye, I, I have memories of listening to those records with my sister and my mom when I was younger. And just it must have just struck a chord with me as a kid. And then as I get older and you discover music for yourself, I really, I really dig that, that 70s, 80s soul vibe for vocals. And I kind of like to mix that in whenever, whenever it fits, because it doesn't always fit. And I've done songs with Pete and I'll send him a track and I can tell he doesn't like it, (laughs) you know, with that voice. So then it's like, okay, well, let's think about how to do it differently. But yeah, I think for the most part, there's those, those two styles that I gravitate towards and they seem to be working well, I think. Mm -hmm. Pete, do you ever, um, do you ever like contribute some vocals or, or are you interested in doing that at all? I mean, not, not necessarily. I think that with split kick, it's, I, I I like the way it flows. I love creating a soundscape or, you know, the beginning of something and sending it over to Andrew and him working his magic. Part of, part of his gift is that I, I think he's a, an excellent lyricist. You know, he comes up with very interesting phrases and, and hooks and things like that, where you, you hear them and you're just like, man, that's awesome. You know, like I'm a victim of a crime committed many times, you know, things like that. It's not, you're, you're not taking yourself too seriously. You're not trying to get all like philosophical or anything like that, but it's just the, for the love of pop music. So I, I like the arrangement that we have right now. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. a much better singer than I am like in terms of his, his falsettos and his mastery of pitch. Like we don't really use any sort of pitch correction, maybe yeah. in an extreme case where it's just something, you know, but most of the tracks are done without any sort of doctoring. 
Whereas, you know, nowadays that's so prevalent with auto-tune and you just hear the pitch jumping all over the place. Andrew is just straight up singing this and not only just singing it, he's singing it and he's singing harmonies, multiple harmonies with himself. Some of these tracks, it has him like singing, you know, basically four, four tracks, high, low, middle, just doing all sorts of crazy shit in the background, like ambient tracks of him ooing and aahing it's it's both it's I, love, I love the oohs and ahs in the background yes, <laughs> personal yes. favorite <laughs> but i mean that's yeah i mean i i probably could sing but i couldn't hit his sort of falsettos and to me that's the fit that's my favorite you know persona that he takes on is that that falsetto like he was talking about like marvin gay and you know marvin gay pioneered that sort of double vocals where you know it's basically two takes and you put it together in one shot and something magical happens although it it was basically a mistake so and i I think that there's a lot of experimentation going on but he's he's much better vocalist than i could ever be but i do have ideas of where he can take it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah like pete will often send me sound bites saying like, well, what about something like this, like his own blabber track? And then I can build, I can build my melodies and my ideas and lyrics from his suggestions. So it's kind of like a back and forth process, which, yeah, I, I really do like the arrangement. As Pete said, it works really well. I think we're kind of comfortable in our, in our space that we have given to ourselves. And most of the time he nails it. Like we, I think stylistically and in terms of our influences, they're, they're broad, but we're on the same page. So when I send over a track and it has a certain sort of feel to it, he's, you know, he's, he's a musicologist. He understands music very deeply and he understands different decades and styles of music. So when you send something over, he can, you know, either hone in on the vibe that I was going for, which is, you know, almost like telepathy, or he takes it in a different trajectory than what I had envisioned with the track. And that to me is one of the joys of collaboration. You know, it's it's bigger than the two of you. It's like I can do something, but then as soon as I send it loose or he sets something loose on me, it turns into you know, something greater than the sum of the parts, which I love. That's what I've always loved about being in bands and different people's inputs and taking my idea or me taking someone else's idea and making it a better sort of bigger thing and something that is unexpected. Yeah. It's great. A testament to collaboration, I'd say Mm -hmm. kind of on that topic. I wanted to ask a bit about, about performance. I, I know you guys are living apart from each other. When's the last time you were actually together, like in the same room? Um, and musically, 2008. Wow. <laughs> but, uh, like we, we've met up several times in Toronto over the, over the years. Yeah. So I guess, how do you, how do you bridge not being able to perform together? Mm-hmm. Split kick was never a live project. Okay. Right. I think it was always a studio project where we got in and just, you know, played with sounds and and developed these tracks. We did do a few live shows yeah. back in the day, but I mean, it's always been like a studio project. And with the, you know, the nature of where we live, that's just kind of continued down that path of a studio project. But I mean, we've always 
talked about, you know, what would a live show look like if we were to, to wheel it out. And that's something that I would be interested in at some point. Yeah. And it would be, it would be very, it would be very heavy visually. Like that's my backgrounds in graphic design and you see the artwork for the three singles that we just put out. And that is like the vibe crystallized right there. Yeah. That's that's something I'd be very interested in exploring at some point is, you know, what it, what does the live show look like? You know, are they robots? Are they real people? Are they in costumes? Like what are the lights like? What is the what is the 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 visual storytelling that's going on behind you? Because I think like it's basically like club music or electronic music and in a club it'd be great where you're just kind of dancing around, but if it was a live show, there would have to be a visual component to it a la you know empire of the sun with their costumes or daft punk as the robots in the pyramid or whoever it might be Mm -hmm. all right well i i don't want to take up too much more of your time but i do want to ask about nightwalker okay give me a little story of this song um (laughs) (laughs) nightwalker the sultry seductive chance encounter of a lady of the night um kind of a fantasy story you know mm-hmm. again it was the same process it was hearing that song and pete saying like i've i've created this one check this out let's see what we can do and then coming up with the melodies i i think i wrote that one really quickly that one was that one i think was under 30 minutes and it just was the perfect vibe for that kind of song about a, you know, being out in the night and running into someone and kind of falling for them, but then realizing who they are and not knowing what to do and wh- what what decisions to make, and um, it just built it from there. And and I think also Nightwalker is I when I sent it over the name of the track was Nightwalker, wasn't it, Andrew? Yes, it was. The beat was Nightwalker. So the beat was called Nightwalker. So that's an instance of the, you know, just the sort of like throwaway title for the song, just because it has that kind of moving through the night sort of, you know, drive vibe. And then Andrew took the name that I had given it, and then he just brought it into another universe, which goes back to us talking about the beauty of creation and collaboration, where it's like, you know, he just wove this entire sort of story around just something I had named the beat, Nightwalker. So that is, I mean, that's the, one of the beauties of collaboration. Like I never expected him coming back with that.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Liquid Sound. We'd like to give a big thanks to Pete and Andrew of Split Kick for coming on the show and sharing their music with us. To hear more of their music, you can hear it on all major streaming platforms. And as always, those links are available in the episode description. For upcoming info about the Liquid Arts Network, you can find us at liquidartsnetwork.com. If you or someone you know would like your music featured on our show, let us know via email at liquidsoundpodcast at gmail.com. Please do subscribe to the Liquid Sound Podcast, share the show with your friends, and if you get the chance, take a moment to leave us a review and a five-star rating. It really does help listeners find us. On behalf of everyone at the Liquid Arts Network team, we thank you so very much for listening today. And until next time, support independent music, support your local arts community, and support each other. And we'll see you soon. Jen, take it away. No, actually, this is the first one I read, but I think I'll read more. He's pretty in love.